Well, my name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It is super fun to be with you. We are right in the middle of uh, this incredible series called The Ugly Within. And uh, we are just going straight after all of the deep, dark, ugly rumblings that are happening inside of us. And uh, I just think every sermon uh, so far has just been on point. And so if you have not checked them out, I really encourage you to go on our website. Jeff did an incredible introduction a couple weeks ago. Mike did a great, Michael did a great uh, sermon on coping last week. But just a quick recap, the way that we're approaching this idea of the ugly within is this idea that there's good news. And we know the good news, right? That in Christ, we are new creations, that we've been saved, we've been redeemed, that we are holy in God's sight. And while we're holy in God's sight, there is this inner life, this is the bad news, which is that our flesh is still giving up this fight, right? Even though God sees us through Christ, we are not quite fully sanctified yet. And so the flesh puts up the fight, but the very bad news is sometimes that flesh actually wins the day. And when that flesh inside of us wins the day, that's called sin. And sin, um, as it uh, manifests itself, ends up leading to death and destruction, but the best news is that God doesn't leave us in this, um, in this predicament, that God has given us a very clear pathway in order to have our outside life match our inside life as we move more and more towards Christ. And so when we look at this idea of the ugly within, we are going to look at this morning, when we think of what parts of the flesh can grab a hold of us and lead to sin, the ugly and within, we are going to look at anger. Oh, as an angry dad, I'm not going to lie, this was a hard message to be thinking about and praying about and wrestling over the last few weeks. But we're going to look at anger. And anger is the murderer of relationships. Isn't that interesting? Anger is the murderer of relationships. And as we unpack this passage of scripture, I think you're going to understand more and more what I'm talking about. I think anger is so dangerous because of all the different parts of our flesh, there's something about anger that, that just feels so good. Like it, it, it uncorks something in us and, it, and it, it's this release that feels so good. And, and a lot of sin often feels good, but what the trick with anger is that not only does it feel good, we're self-justified, we're self-righteous in our anger because we have been wronged by somebody else. And so it is this really delicate road that we're gonna walk down this morning. And so if you're ready to gear up, to gird up, uh, to take a look at the inside ugly within, we are gonna uncork this idea of anger, the murderer of relationships. Well, when you think of anger, at least when I think of anger, the very first place that I think of is Facebook. That's a great spot to, uh, to see the whole you know, pond of just disgustingness of the human experiment right there. Um, I mean, and if you've seen the social dilemma or if you've just even been on social media the last couple of years, I mean, Facebook has actually designed itself, it's designed the algorithm to encourage rage and anger and get you to click on things that just fire you up. So I thought, man, I'm going to jump in on this excitement on Facebook. And I put a little poll out there a couple weeks ago and said, hey, what makes you angry? And here's some of the things that you help me figure out what makes you angry. Hypocrisy, feeling powerless when you're interrupted, fear of uncertainty, ignoring my feelings, cutting in line, not picking up your dog poop, leaving dirty dishes, double standards, basically lack of respect. And then there was this whole other category that things that cause us anger, which are things like injustice and sex trafficking, bullying, making fun of people with disabilities, cruelty, right? And then there was an, one other thing, which is just politics in general. And what's interesting about politics is politics is really the, 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 the accumulation of both those things because politics kind of is a picture of our values 
and I think in our context, it's actually become even more, not just our values, but it's become part of our identity. And so when someone bumps up against your values, when someone bumps up against your identity, it causes anger to just rise up within us. And so what we need to understand is as we feel anger, we have to know something just poked up against us. And the place that, before we get to the passage that Jesus talks about anger, we need to take a step back because we can't really address anger and how to navigate that the way that Christ longs for us to do, excuse me, until we first take a look at our identity because it is our actual identity that needs to be formed. And you know this is true because if you've ever been around people who could care less about your identity, they don't make you angry. I always think of this illustration. If I walked into a kindergarten classroom and they're like, Ben, you're so stupid. Ben, you're so fat. Ben, you don't like the same kind of food I like. Ben, you don't like Pokemon or whatever they would say. I would just be like, well, you're in kindergarten and you stopped way in the bed like a minute ago. You know, like there's like a, a thing in us that a kindergartner does not impact my identity. But the more and more our identity is formed, the more it's formed in Christ, the way then we are now prepared to deal with all the different complexities of people and of our culture. So first of all, why don't you turn your Bible to Galatians chapter three, verse 26, and it says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That is the foundation. That is the really good news that we talked about at the beginning. And if you've been doing these discipleship um, experiments with us every month, the last, uh, last month, we did a whole experiment about being fathered by God, about living into this idea that we are children of God and God loves us and delights over us and longs for us to be more and more molded into him as his image. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And so now there is neither Jew nor Gentile Slave or free, male or female, you are all now one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. I mean, just think about that. That is this incredible picture. Our identity is not in our race. It's not in our gender. It's not in our class. It's not in our political party. It's not in what football team we like. It is not in where we live. Like those things do not define who we are as human beings. What defines us is we're made in the image of God. And then when we accept Christ into our heart, we are transformed from just being made in the image of God to being adopted as daughters and sons of, the, of God most high. And we are co-heirs as children of Abraham. I mean, it is this incredible thing. And if you really got, I always think like, if I was LeBron James's kid, like I wouldn't care what anybody says, right? LeBron James would be my dad. Oh, that's so great. Well, God, the creator of the universe, you are his precious daughter. You are his precious son. And so all the other things that we mark as our identity, those, those shape who we are. They're parts of our identity, but they're not the defining characteristic. And so we need to let go of those things and hold them a little more loosely. And in our context, that is a big no-no. But what happens is when Christ becomes our identity, when we are bound in Christ and we are children of God, we are now able to lean in and figure out how we're called to live. And what's so incredible is Jesus modeled this so clearly for us. I mean, earlier in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Jesus says, if anyone's persecuted because of me, right? that those things are going to happen. Jesus says that you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Jesus says that we're supposed to forgive as I've forgiven you. We're supposed to love our enemies. All these things that are totally countercultural. all these things that actually wound us and hurt us to the core of our being. Well, they wound us because they impact our natural identity. But when our identity is in Christ, 
and someone is mean to us, someone steps on us, someone walks all over us, we have a way that we can begin to engage them because we are found in Christ. So that increases our identity, but it also gives us, gives us someone to model. And so with all that being said, we now have a, a pathway in which we can deal with anger. And so what I'd like you to do is turn over to Matthew chapter five, and we're gonna take a look at Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, found Matthew chapter five, verses 21. So Jesus says this, you have heard it said to the people long ago that you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in the danger, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Gosh, this teaching that Jesus gives us is incredible. The whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does this like this uh, rabbinic teaching jujitsu, right? He says, you've heard it said to the people long ago. And like the people long ago, that's us. Everyone knows you shall not murder is one of the 10 commandments found in Exodus chapter 20, right? What do you mean to the people long ago? Jesus, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders is subject to judgment. And everyone's like, yep, no brainer. We get that. But what's interesting then Jesus says, but again, I tell you, anyone who is angry, at their brother or sister is subject to judgment. The exact same language, right? Anyone who murders is subject to judgment. Anyone who now is angry is subject to judgment. And so now when we think about who are we angry at, right? Who makes us angry? When we begin to think about and answering that question, right? We're in the beginning of murdering relationships if you think about this. Because we're usually angry because someone has wounded us. They stepped on our identity. They have overseen us. They have crushed us. They and their selfish, broken worldview have just invaded ours totally. It's interesting, my mom, she's a, she's a tutor. She's, she's an incredible teacher. She's had uh, middle school students forever and ever. And then as she's retired, those middle school students that continue to be in relationship with her. And, and I was sitting on her porch and she was getting ready to go um, grab a coffee with one of her old students who's 18. And, uh, and I've been doing this like pull. I'm like, hey, what makes you angry? What makes you angry? And without even thinking about it, she's like, oh, that's easy, my dad. I'm like, whoa. And we started talking. And what's interesting is almost every high schooler was like, who's, who are you angry at? Immediately, my mom, my dad. Now, as a parent of a middle school and high school, I'm like, whoa, tell me more about that. And as we started talking, it realized because for a middle schooler and a high schooler, right, they're becoming adults. And this young woman, she's 18. And yet her dad is, sees her like the father of the bride. He sees her as like a 12-year-old. And she's like, I'm 18. I'm a woman. I'm trying to become this person. And you keep treating me like I'm 10 and like I'm 12. And it's this affront to her identity. And almost every teenager, right? That's the problem. Us parents, we want to keep our kids nine and 10, keep them in that nice little safe space. And we forget that they're developing and that they're becoming these young adults. And every time we treat them like nine and 10 year olds, right? We are just causing anger in them. And that happens to us, right? Adults, like people, all the people around us who make us angry, think about that. Think of the last few people who have made you so angry. And it's because there's been some sort of violation of your actual being. Well, what I love about this teaching says, so, right, if, if you're even angry at a brother or sister, you're subject to judgment. And he says, and again, I tell you, if you even say to a brother or sister, Raka, you are answerable to the court. And Raka is not some cool Gen Z slang, you know, not saying like, man, these scriptures are mad slaps. It'd be hitting differently, though. 
Oh, shoot. I tried better. I've been practicing all day with my Gen Z slang, but it doesn't work. But that's what it sounds like. Raka is like some weird, like, what are these kids talking about? Well, Raka is this Armenian, uh, I mean, not Armenian, Aramaic uh, word that, that is communicating contempt. Contempt. Right? So we have anger, but what ends up inter- interesting is anger moves very quickly to contempt. And when contempt is answering this question, who is beneath you? And what's interesting is, I think, I think it's just a natural protection, right? If someone wounds you and someone wounds you and someone wounds you and you can't get your head around what is going on, we begin the process of trying to understand that. And the way that we understand that is through contempt. I love it. It's the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless and deserving of scorn. And when someone wounds you enough, boy, you know exactly who that person is. Now, what's hard about once you get to, uh, once you get to contempt, it's hard because you, you begin to, uh, to lose empathy for them. You, you begin to create them as a caricature and you actually begin to be more self-righteous. Anger is like a misunderstanding. You're trying to get that, figure that out. But the more that happens, you begin to caricature them and then you begin to basically actually um, become self-righteous in your feeling about them. Contempt. Isn't that weird that you could feel great about considering someone below you? And then Jesus finishes up this section. He says, and again, I tell you, anyone who says you fool is deserving of the fires of hell. And you see this increasingly level of judgment as Jesus goes through this teaching, right? It's anger and then it's contempt and it ends with you fool. And you fool, the reason why that's so powerful is not because like you just think that's so, like, like you fool doesn't mean that much to us in our culture, but basically what you are doing is you're dehumanizing someone totally. You have completely written them off. So when you say someone, you fool, you have just closed the vault on them. If you saw them struggling, suffering on the side of the road, they would not impact you in the slightest. That you, the vault is closed shut and tight. And it makes sense because when someone angers you, it pings on your very inner part, the squishiness inside of you. That's why it causes this reaction. And if it continues to happen, you have to make sense of it. And so you, you, you add contempt and you find some self-righteous way to keep writing them off until finally you close the vault completely on them. So when you say, you fool, you idiot, they're so stupid, right? Those are all language. Those are all terms that we use that basically just to write them off. You don't have to consider them. You don't have to consider their perspective. You don't have to consider where they're coming from because you have completely written them off. And by the time you get to that part, right, you have murdered that relationship because anger only happens if you care about that person and you care about what they think. And so anger is the beginning of this trajectory of murder towards a relationship. And so Jesus says, right, you've heard say, do not commit murder. And if you murder, you're subject to judgment. But know this, if you are my follower, if you're a disciple of mine, if you're someone that's going to be moving towards me, like we say in our mission statement all the time, then anger is something that we need to pay attention to. We need to recognize that anger is a sign of a couple different things. It's a recognition that our identity is not fully formed in Christ. It means that the innermost part of our being has been violated in some way, which means we have to begin doing the work to think about what has happened and what that is all about. But we must be so careful that our anger towards people who have wronged us does not turn to contempt and ultimately to dehumanization. Because once we have done that, we have completely missed out on the teachings of Jesus. And now we live in a context and a culture where we are all about justice and we should be. The church is about justice. Jesus, the kingdom of God is about justice. 
But what's interesting in our own personal relationships, we can't have justice. There's no way to equal the scales. If you've wronged me, there's no way to really make that right. And that's why the teaching of Jesus is so countercultural. It is so incredible. He says that we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We are called to forgive one another as we have been forgiven. And that feels so dangerous and it feels so scary to ask to, to, ask to, be for, to forgive someone who has wronged us in such a deep and hard way. But the follow, the, to be, Jesus says to pick up my cross, pick up your cross and follow me. The, the people who move towards Christ, it is a daily death. It is a daily challenge. And so we have this process that, we are, that we're moving towards um, in order to get rid of this ugly within. In order to, 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 to take this thing that's rising up in us, we know that that's not the way that God made us. We have to do something with that. We have this path forward. And so the first path forward is reflection. And so what I'd love for you to do is just to think about this, to so just take a few seconds. When I was speaking about anger, who are you angry with? Who is beneath you? Who have you closed the vault on? Just take a minute and write that down. Maybe do it in code so no one can see your paper later. But to identify, man, who are those people? Who just makes you so angry? So angry that you might even make them beneath you and have contempt for and maybe who have you written off completely? Now, after you've done the reflection and you begin to name those names, now here's the honest part. To bring those people before Jesus and say, Jesus, my relationship with these people is broken. It is bruised. There has been some violation there. And what part of it is Sin. What part of it is my sin? Maybe I didn't do anything wrong, but the way in which I'm processing and, 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 and dealing with my anger is sin. And for some reason, I don't know why we're scared about being honest about our sin, about being honest about our brokenness, about our rebellion, about the ugly within. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that's why we're gathered here this morning is because we have some way to deal with all this ugly within because we take all this honesty before Jesus, we ask God, now that you've seen my sin, we then do confession and we say, Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Right? And Jesus says, right, for if we confess our sins, we're faithful and just. Jesus is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all of a sudden we begin moving from this ugly place, this place recognizing where we're just so angry, where we've written people off, we've actually dehumanized one another, that we now can begin to move forward and be in people of reconciliation because Jesus is beginning to have his way in us. So the last part is submission. And this is where we actually, as we move towards Christ, we want to actually do the things that Jesus invites us to do. And this is why I love scripture because we can always pick the one or two passages of scripture we like, yes, please, and then we move on. Well, this scripture, Jesus, I think, makes a dramatic turn. So in verse 23, he goes on. So he says, right, if you even are angry at a brother or sister, you're subject to judgment, right? If you call a brother or sister raka, if you say you, you fool, you're destined, I mean, you're to, the, to, the, to the fires of hell. But then in verse 23, he says there, this, this is his therefore, all that teaching, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. 
Now, I'm not gonna lie to you as I was preparing for this passage of scripture, I love that first couple of parts. I think about who's made me so angry. You know, who am I starting to write off in my heart? God, please grow some new connections in my heart so that I can have grace and mercy for these people who have wronged me. But the, the therefore knocked me um, on my butt, quite frankly, right? Jesus says, therefore, if you were gonna be a spiritually hungry person moving towards Christ, the therefore is on your way as you're worshiping Christ, as you're bringing your offering to the altar, on your way, if you remember that someone has an offense against you, stop, leave your offering at the front of the altar. It says, first go and be reconciled, then come and offer your gift. And I thought, gosh, what an incredible teaching. This is why Jesus, even if you're like not even a Christian, you just have to be blown away at the teaching of Jesus. It is mesmerizing because think about this. If you should stop right now and be reflective and think, okay, Lord, who out there in the big bad world is angry with me? Right? I can go all the way back to high school. I can go back to college. I can go back to the different places I've lived. I can see some of your faces, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, I have offended some people. And if I can, if this is why Jesus is so great, because if he says, hey, think about who have you offended? Because once I own that I have offended people, once I own that I am actually an object of contempt for people, once I realize that I've hurt people so much that they've had to close the vault on me, all of a sudden, right, we come back to the made in the image of God, that I can't just treat these other human beings who are made in the image of God as less than, because I am actually that person too to somebody else. And I need to seek reconciliation. I need to own my part. I need to approach a sister or brother and ask for forgiveness. And so this idea of reflection and honesty, confession and submission, right? Especially around anger, it is so interesting. It is so challenging and it touches our deepest, most inner spaces. But if we are gonna be people who move towards Christ, then we need to take Jesus' word seriously. We step into his teaching, which means we have to die to our anger we must for sure die to our contempt. And the people that we've closed the, the, the vaults on, we must begin to reopen them. These are people who are made in the image of God. And we, our identity as children of God, as followers of Christ, are following the example of Christ to love our enemies, to forgive the way that we have been forgiven. And the big takeaway, the master's level course, man, if you were ready to really move towards Christ this morning, then I would encourage you to take another moment and think about who have you offended and begin to think about who those people are. And maybe the Lord's inviting you to move towards reconciliation, to ask for forgiveness, to be restored, or at least in the beginning of restoration in those relationships, because that is going to be the testimony of the church. Ambassadors of reconciliation, people who love one another, who forgive one another, and who extend mercy and grace to one another. That is not the world we live in, but that is the kingdom that we've been called to serve in. So I'm just gonna give you a minute. If you would just go get your communion elements and maybe be thinking about who are you angry with? Who do you have contempt for? Who have you shut the vault on? And if you're ready for next level stuff, really be reflective on who might feel those things about you.